This week's episode of Two Tools covers PEDs surrounding Fernando Tatis Jr., the Yankees' stock drop, and how that affects the American League. Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rauschman fighting to the death for the American League Rookie of the Year. And are the Dodgers getting scorching hot, but at the wrong time? Find out now. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Jonitz, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team, and this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Me and Travis coming at you. It is August 16th. Uh, afternoon. Uh, right now, there's a really good pitchers matchup going on: Verlander versus Cease, possibly the two best, uh, I guess, favorites for American League Cy Young right now. Um, we know the Angels are coming up not too long here, Travis. A lot of night games coming. Um, but the big headline that we're going to start the episode with, Travis, is of course Fernando Tatis Jr. As everyone probably knows already by now, has tested positive for PEDs. And this is just a result of, I guess, um, different stories that we've heard. We I first heard there was ringworm, and then like more recently, uh, Fernando Tatis's dad came out and said it was a barber shop got him an infection, which I guess is something that might be common in Latin America. And they gave him a, a treatment that is apparently common in Latin America, and it has some banned substance. So it, it's really kind of hard to determine exactly the hundred percent truth. We probably will never know the 100% breakdown of what exactly happened. But from your perspective, Travis, how do you interpret these events of an 80-game suspension in the middle of this good Padre season? What does it do for Tatis' legacy as an individual? And his team has reacted pretty strongly, saying his teammates want him to take more accountability to be more mature. The coach and the GM have come out and said, Tatis did not even reach out to us. His agent did. We had to call him, you know. Just not great remarks, I guess. So give me your full uh, interpretation of what's happened here. Yeah, not a uh, not a very good start, I think, to the 2021 season. First off with the whole wrist injury, Alex. Um, what was it? Car racing or motorcycle? Motor- motorcycle accident. accident, motorcycle racing accident. So um, that, of course, started off the season in a in a very rough fashion. Um, and I should say the 2022 season, but, uh, that of course was the, the low point Padres had to wait for him for at least till July or August to get their star shortstop back. Probably the best, of course, shortstop in major league baseball. And now of course they're stunned with this news, uh, 80 games will miss the rest of the season and probably about the first month, month and a half of next season. Not too sure when the, uh, the 80 game work will end, but it's definitely a huge hit because I mean, this is a team right now that's in a wild card hunt chase. They are, I believe right now, Alex, they are the sixty. They've kind of hit a, they've hit a little bit of a, um, of a slump losing streak the past couple weeks. I know ever since acquiring Juan Soto, they had some troubles against the Colorado Rockies. And then of course they went to LA and LA pretty much just took it to them. I think there was a scoreless streak that they were having that the Padres were like 22 innings in with no run scored. So of course that was kind of concerning, but small sample size. You of course would look at the bigger picture. I know right now they are fighting for the sixth seed. Um, the division, Alex, I mean, it's completely out of 
out of touch. I think Completely. it's 17 games back for the Padres to make up some sort of ground, but um, they are looking at a probably a five or a six seed. I really think the Braves are a strong team to finish in the four seed. So uh, Phillies and Brewers and also the Cardinals, I should say, are going to be the main competition for the Padres. They have the tools. They have the pieces to do it. They just got Juan Soto, who's going to be, of course, the best comparison to filling Tatis's spot. Of course, we are all looking forward to a Tatis Soto Machado three-headed monster for the rest of the season and for October. That would have been so fun to watch and see, but we'll have to wait and see that next year. But I, it is a disappointing, uh, you know, almost not, I shouldn't say finish to the Padres season, but just a disappointing uh, second half start for the 2022 Padres. Um, and I'm sure a lot of those guys are going to, of course, get on much, get on Tatis. Tatis is their leader. He's basically their captain. He's one of their youngest guys, of course. But I think a lot of those veteran guys, Musgrove, uh, Machado, and also, uh, you know, even like Darvish or that, or some of those other guys are going to, of course, try to mentor him and get on him to be, um, just to be a better teammate and think of the team first before himself. It's Alex. It's always, it's always, it's always weird. I feel like when you get these circumstances where the player might not know where it came from, I know I, of course, back in the day when we were younger, you know, A-Rod, of course, I think had some, had some conspiracies or some ways of, you know, not knowing how, how the drug was slipped to him. I think Bonds, of course, and McGuire and Sosa also came out and said they didn't know how the drug was slipped to them. Um, it, it, of course, it's kind of interesting because now you just wonder, do you even know what, what else is being put in your body that you thought you knew? You know, it, it's one of those things that I definitely look at that, uh, that I think most players, they kind of try to get away from the facts and just say, you know, they try to find a cover story to, to help them out. But I think he knew that, you know, whatever he was using was, uh, was probably banned and, uh, you know, trying to get away with it. And, you know, it, what sucks is that he's probably trying to build up that wrist and build up that strength in that wrist so he can come back and be an impact player right away. That's how, of course, it all gets caught. Um, I, I, I know it's performance-enhancing drugs, but I, I, I strongly believe he was probably trying to get that wrist a little bit stronger than it should have been by when he came out and made his debut in 2022, which does kind of suck because um, I think Tatis is definitely, uh, you know, I think his heart is in a good place. I think that, um, he's not trying to just be this, uh, you know, dude that basically changes his body in one night from, you know, the body he's in right now to just this, you know, Titan of a player, a Greek mythology kind of guy. But, um, it is disappointing news and, uh, you know, hopefully he can learn from this and hopefully he can rebound and help them next year. Um, it's of course going to help hurt them next year, Alex. And, and that's one thing you hate to see is that you won't be able to help your team this year in October and you won't get to help them next year in the start of the season. I do think he is going to be able to still play. Um, actually, I'm not sure if he's going to play in, in spring training. I don't, oh, know. I don't know how that works. I, 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 know, I know. I know he cannot play the world baseball class. That's right. That's right. I know you, you, you broke that news to me a couple of days ago that he will not be able to play um, in, in that tournament. So um, it looks like he'll probably be focused on the uh, spring training events. And then of course, have to sit the bench for a couple um, months, if that, for the for the 2023 season. Which, um, you know, Padres, of course, if 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 somehow it does not go their way this season, that will be, I think, another I mean, another year where it's going to be disappointment. And 2023 is, I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know curious eyes on the Padres next year if they for somehow you know go into the playoffs this year. Maybe it's a first round loss to the wild card team or something like that, but. Um, it's definitely a big blow. I was really pumped to see the Padres this year once Tatis came back. Um, Machado has been a top, uh, you know, top three, top five, you want to say MVP vote getter. Um, he has been doing just incredible this year. Soto, of course, is Juan Soto. He's only going to get better. And of course, in October, we've seen Juan Soto uh, just go absolutely 
uh, balls at the wall from what he's been able to do. So uh, not being able to see Tatis this year in October, if the Padres, of course, continue to stay you know successful and can get to the playoffs, that will be disappointing. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, one superstar that that's gone down, Alex, and I feel like we haven't really heard this much news in the past couple of years with steroids. With no. I, especially these type of players, we've seen other players, you know, Robinson Cano, aging stars exactly. trying to extend their legacy and all that stuff. Exactly, and I really wonder, and and, and this will be the interesting thing, Alex, because I still think that you know Tatis is on a Hall of Fame path, and I think that. This kind of uh, slip up, a lot of people say, you know, it can be fixed by being humble and, of course, being, you know, a good player on and off the field. And, you know, the voters will see that right. It's going to be interesting because then it's like, well, then do you look at these other steroid users and do they didn't get a free pass because they weren't, you know, the nice guy in the clubhouse. They weren't the nice guy in, in you know, in the community or something like that. So um, some people I've actually heard say Tatis's Hall of Fame <laughs> chance is over which i mean if the guy hits 600 700 home runs i mean we'll have to look at it back then if there, there's another I slip up that's interesting it, 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 it was it was you know it's twitter fans alex it's just it's just the idiots on twitter that you know you see here and there but right um it, it's it's funny but uh you know if there's another slip up i think the next slip up is 162 games okay and that is going to be of course a more serious punishment where now you look at okay what are you doing dude now you got caught a second time your your is your heart really in the right place for major league baseball and i think the third time is actually uh banned from baseball so is it really it is ba banned from baseball i know that strike three was uh was was a ban from baseball so wow um, it gets a lot more serious down the down the down the road i think they wanted to make it as uh, you know, you miss half a season, you miss a full season, then you get banned from from baseball for life. So, of course, Tatis, I know this will be a big awakening for him. Hopefully it is. He's still really, really young. And, uh, you know, hopefully, of course, he can get through this and and uh, and come back next year, you know, better than ever. He's still, of course, one of my, you know, Alex, one of my favorite players. He can do he can do anything on the on the ball field. So it, it, hopefully he can get uh, get healthier and uh, no more mo no more riding the motorcycle, uh, you know. Spend the off season being healthy. Spend the off season, you know, getting ready for the next season. But just yeah, bummer news for the uh, for the Padres so far this, this season right now. Yeah, it's it's such a wild and kind of just hard to believe story. Like honestly, if he didn't get in the motorcycle accident uh, last off season, is he ever even in this mess? Probably not. He probably yeah, exactly. just has like a regular season and never has the opportunity. Obviously, that's a somewhat speculation because we don't know when he started using PEDs. We don't know when it ended and if it will end you know like you said if he gets another violation and another suspension that will end his hall of fame chances course, i feel yeah. like it just yeah. like it proves that it was not a fluke it proves that it was like you know probably intentional so mm -hmm. um yeah i think it's such an interesting discussion the comparison that we had travis when he was just a young uh player like in 2020 2021 was to a rod right and yeah. it's just so funny and ironic and sad that like a roid is like yeah. the, the nickname where you know tatis had all the tools of young a rod where he's a shortstop he's got ability to steal bases yep. but he's got a big frame and he got a good arm and then of course hitting for you know massive power as a shortstop um the comp was there and then all of a sudden now you're doing stare you get caught for peds which is another claim to fame for a rod so yeah um, yeah. And I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, 80 games for the first time violation, 162 for the second time, third time a permanent suspension from baseball. So wow. I mean, you get to. I mean, that's why I think the, I think it's they three say, strikes you're out. I think they say if you get to your second time, 
you're almost playing with uh, you're playing with fire too much. Where right now you get a full season taken away, and now of course you're one violation away from just basically being permanently banned from the game. You're almost going in that Pete Rose kind of territory where um, you know hopefully Pete Rose one day can can rebound and and you know we can see his name in the Hall of Fame because you know it is kind of a a, a messy subject or a sore subject. But I would um, like to see what he did. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I know I know a couple. I think a year ago or two ago, people were always speculating like, will Manfred announce the the uh the violation that pete rose did or or whatever yeah. the betting was there's some there's yeah. some sort of like sealed letter i, yeah. I love that that's another just there's the baseball has too many of these dark the mysteries. book of secrets yeah there's a book of secrets dark mystery <laughs> like just yeah. Yeah. ancient texts yeah. that we need to uncover and let, let the fans know about the astros let them know about pete rose exactly the white exactly. The, the black socks just tell us tell us everything exactly but, and, and that's i think why i mean i think robinson cano is probably lost his case for the hall of fame i think a lot of a, a lot of voters look at that second violation as okay your second violation in our books is strike three because first time you know maybe it was it was intentional maybe it wasn't unintentional but the second time you should really know what you're putting in your body or what you're doing so um tatis of course will be looked at i think in the next you know this at least this decade of, of probably his prime success as you know a guy that you know it, you know the suspicion i think will always be there now when you have that uh when, when you when you have that, you know, topic or you have that uh, subject next to your name. So, right. And I, I, Travis, I'm someone just personally, I mean, if, if, if someone listened to the podcast, when we talked about the hall of fame, I'm kind of sympathetic, not that's not the right word, but I'm just kind of forgiving mm-hmm. of steroid users, especially in a steroid era when like you're, co- you're, you're pretty much your coworkers are all doing it. And the league is celebrating them instead yeah. of punishing them. Yeah. So that's why I always give them forgiveness. This is kind of different because Tati's got punished, obviously. So I'm a little bit more strict when it comes to guys like Manny and A-Rod. But even still, I voted for A-Rod because he's such a special talent. So it really comes down to what you accomplish, I think. So I'm really curious to see what the, you know, the next... 15 years of Tatis' career look like. Yeah. Obviously, production will make a factor, but I wonder what the fan perception is. Like, is it going to be like the Astros where he gets booed everywhere? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I would assume not. Some yeah. ballparks, definitely. Some ballparks, in LA, maybe yeah. not. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, in LA, he was getting booed in the first place yeah, anyways. Yeah. I mean, LA and San Francisco are probably yeses, but yeah. Yeah, yeah when he travels to a, a new city for like the first time, if he's never been to like an AL East team, like, are they going to boo him? Like, I don't know, maybe, but it, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, how his like legacy uh, is impacted, but um, yeah, Travis, I just have to bring up one last joke I saw on Twitter. Someone said that all you have to do to kind of fix your legacy is uh, move to Boston and gain a hundred pounds and just be like Big Poppy. But you know, <laughs> and that's to, what that joke you sent me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's just like uh, you know, it's just interesting how like you know different PED test results yeah. and stuff. And Travis, actually one thing I will add, um, actually pretty important, I think to the discussion, a lot of Latin American players have come out in support of Tatis saying the MLB handled this wrong. They didn't do a full investigation. They said that they kind of threw him under the bus mm-hmm. instead of kind of giving more context. It's all kind of mysterious. And like, we never really will we'll really know like what Tatis told these players or what these players heard from Tatis senior. Cause Tatis senior has these quotes now coming out. But like it, I saw David Ortiz came out and there was someone else. I can't remember who, um, another Latin American player that's, I think since retired was saying that, you know, essentially, uh, the MLB is going about this the wrong way. And Tatis, um, is kind of being used, um, I guess I guess they're pretty much saying that like Tatis didn't do this to increase his performance. Mm-hmm. It was all a misunderstanding. 
and they're not really explaining his side of things, I guess. They're not letting him explain his side of things. Yeah, yeah. So a guy like David Ortiz coming out and saying that is, to me, it's pretty interesting because that kind of dark, or like not, not dark secret, but like there's like a confirmed uh, instance of Ortiz testing positive, but we don't know what it was for. So it could be a very similar scenario where Ortiz says, you know, my name got thrown on this list one time yeah. and it was for some misunderstanding and he feels the same way about Tati. So it could be a kind of similar scenario or it could be, you know, black and white. It's really kind of hard to understand what's going on behind the scenes of an incident like this. But And and could it be also that I, I read some some articles on those. I think it was what, that 2003 testing that happened or something like that. Uh, it was around there. It, it, it was the Mitchell report or something like that. It was that? before the Mitchell report. OK, OK. But I, I and I read some articles saying that even some of the um, the higher executives were saying that those tests were. Um, looked at as being very inaccurate, which I mean, I, again, I don't really understand what, what, when, when it says that Poppy tested positive for something, but we don't know, it must be, of course, something that's banned by MLB. I assume. Yes. And so, um, essentially the test was supposed to be anonymous. Uh -huh. I don't know what that even means, but yeah. like it got leaked where the, everyone's names that did test positive and it included names like Sosa, Ramirez, Ortiz, testing positive only time so ever tested positive was on this list manny of course tested positive later on mm -hmm. in the actual official yeah, yeah, testing yeah, so yeah. it just kind of all i think with the dodgers i think that one time i think that was like his second kind of his second uh and that kind of almost ended things for him like he, much, after yeah. that was yeah, pretty much yeah. done but and i think a rod did too where a rod uh had a second positive right a rod tested in like 2000 2009 was when it, there was all that speculation of course looking back at 2002 and 2003 a rod where he was a ranger and he was just literally 50 home the runs best, or whatever the best shortstop of all time right then and there but i think in 2009 and then 2013 or something like that when he was kind of older at the yankees and then his career kind of i feel like just sizzled out which is kind of sad you know i mean which is you know but you know when you get caught with these things that's that's the kind of you know that's the kind of uh, you know penalties you have to take. One thing I do feel bad for is if this is some sort of you know, like he says, ring, mis ringworm cream mis misunderstanding. Yeah, then it does come down to, okay, you know, people have used cortisone creams on their skins for rashes and their steroids and those, but is that really going to be counted as a uh, right. you know, a substance that is banned from MLB that's going to help? It's like no, I just got a rash during the day, you know. Yeah, and and <laughs> I, I heard I heard some like different like dermatologists that are like American were saying and like Canadian and stuff, they were saying that, yeah, that steroid that we, that was tested positive for, I think it's like Clobisol. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm saying it right, but like they said that that, that steroid, it's not in any ringworm treatments or whatever. But then, <laughs> but, but then as recently as today, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about in Latin America, actually that steroid is found in some types of treatments mm -hmm. for things of skin conditions and other kind of conditions so it's just a scenario where i feel like travis much like the astro scenario much like most of steroid era stuff we're never going to get a black and white answer yeah, and it's going to yeah. be up to every fan to kind of say how much do i care about yeah. this and really honestly <laughs> the sad thing is that you're if you hated tatis you're just going to kind of pile on of course if you yeah. liked him you're probably going to forgive him yeah and that's yeah. kind of just where the way it's yeah, going to go yeah, so exactly, exactly um but that was you know the probably the biggest most crazy news that kind of broke this week but travis there's still a lot going on in the baseball world um i think right now lots of power shifts i think right now uh we just talked about the padres we'll kind of shift over to their rival the dodgers quite a few things going on over there travis 
definitely the hottest team in baseball right now. I would definitely, say at least. Definitely. I think they have the best record in the second half, and they already were like far. A, yeah. a big division favorite in the first half. So um, let's just kind of start there and say, you know, we've confirmed Walker Bueller will be missing the rest of the season, yep. as I'm sure that includes the postseason. So, I mean, that's definitely a big loss, especially in, in like a series. Top rotation guy, yeah. But, but Travis, right now they're on pace for... I, I had the number in my head and I can't remember what it was, but I think it's in the teens, right? Hundred teens. Or yeah, yeah, right. It's like 114 or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I saw the number that they needed to hit in the second half or in the remaining number of games to get to 116, um, and it was like it was like a doable number. Yeah. But um, anyways, you lose Bueller. Um, the trade, the 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 trade deadline was interesting. They yeah. got Gallo. Which has actually been a really big positive, yep. but he's not being used in like a hundred percent full time role. He's rebounded, yep. But um, he's doing well in a small sample size there. Uh, but I mean, you spark fire with Trace Tom Trace Thompson. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be like logical and yep. think about how how much of a powerhouse in the NL are they? Because in years past, I mean, like last year, they were healthier than this year, it seems. Yep. At least in terms of you had Bueller. Yep. And even though you lost out on Kershaw, I mean, I think most fans might would rather have Bueller in a series if you had to pick. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, overall, I felt like, you know, you had Scherzer and all these other things. But this year, it feels like they're having a better regular season. And, and I think I think the stat that I did see on, on Twitter was of all the teams that are on pace that the Dodgers are right now, it's like 80 80 wins in your first however many games. Mm-hmm. Um, every team that's at this pace has either won the pennant or won the World Series. And then there's that 2001 Mariners team. Oh, so that yeah, Mariners yeah. team is the only team to be at this pace the Dodgers is at and not win their their league. Yeah. So if a team is at this level of a win-loss record this far into the season... They win the NL yeah. or the AL, whatever they're in. Which would be a so, good idea if you were in Vegas. <laughs> uh, sure. So, so, that, but that's why I'm asking yeah. you. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on how, you know, I guess to what degree do you think they're going to dominate the NL? Yeah. Do you think other teams in the East, or the Brewers, Cardinals, or even the Padres, do you think these teams have a shot at kind of taking them down? Because um, just to me, it feels like they're not as big of a powerhouse yet. Their system is yeah. so good and so well intact that they're just winning games like no other team is. No, so I guess give are. me your thought on, on, on where they're at right now. The Dodgers, in, in, in the past 10 years, Alex, the Dodgers are built for the regular season. They were built for 162 games. We've seen that for so many years. So, so I mean, kudos to them right now, and they're playing their best baseball right now. Um, the one thing is, of course, that that is, you know, it is going to be a question mark. They're playing their best baseball right now, but will this continue in two months? And also, October is a different animal. And we've seen that with the Dodgers in the past, you know, um, teams, you know, might be slumping right now. A team in New York is slumping very heavily right now. We'll probably cover them in a little bit. Definitely. Um, and you know what? They're still a, what, 10 games above in the, in the division. So it looks like they'll run away with that division. They're going to get a buy in the first round. I'm, I'm kind of cutting to the Yankees right now, but they're playing their worst baseball right now. So some fans could look at that and say, Hey, this is a positive for us. Dodgers, of course, playing their best baseball right now, and that's going to be helpful in getting the number one seed, securing home field advantage, Alex, and making sure you can, uh, you know, take care of business in that aspect. But I just, I sometimes I look at these teams where they just go so crazy in the regular season, and I wonder, do you run out of, uh, you know, do you run out of stamina in the end? Can you make it across the finish line in the end? The Dodgers, the last couple of years, um, you know, of course, I want 
takeaway 2020, but the last couple of years, it just seems like they kind of run out of gas. Some of their guys, some of their veteran guys, uh, it just seems like they're performing a little bit less in October. And you know what? When it comes down to three games, five games, seven games, I mean, you're asking a lot of some of these guys to basically say, can you perform at your highest peak level in one week um, of baseball? But um, one thing I will say, Alex, and I'm glad you kind of brought it up because I know you told me yesterday, either yesterday or on Sunday, but uh, MLB released the uh, playoff schedule. They released uh, basically what the games look like from the wild card to the division series to the NLCS. And I really thought about this because I wondered, I think you shared with me, but it was it was saying something about like NLCS games three through seven yes. are played in five straight games, five straight days, yes, no rest, which is like unprecedented. It, it feels like just crazy, and it's a weird year because we're playing baseball so late. I think the last game is played on either October fifth or sixth. I think it's October fifth, um, that Wednesday, and then the wild card round starts on Friday the seventh of October. But I look at that and I wonder. Last year, you know, it just seemed like the Dodgers, I know they had Max Scherzer, did not have Clayton Kershaw, but Max Scherzer was just basically their workhorse, and he was just running out of gas in the end. A lot of Dodger fans actually on Twitter today um, were, were pointing out they thought that Scherzer's the main reason for Bueller's injury because he pushed him so hard last year in the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, it, was just, it was just funniness. But I look at that, and I wonder, you know, no Bueller. Let's say Kershaw, for some reason, comes back, maybe isn't 100%, still has, you know, on and off days with his back. It's his back, right? I think so. Okay. I okay. mean, it, it's always something. It, yeah. I mean, it's always something, but I, I it's, but what's sad is that, or what's, what's crazy that he's still an all-time peak performer. He could be looking at this year as a whatever year. It's a 2.64 ERA this year, which is just Clayton, Clayton Kershaw dominance. But I look at that, I see no Bueller, and let's just say no Kershaw. You're basically leaning on Tyler Anderson, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, Andrew Heaney, and then, of course, the guy that's pitching tonight, uh, what is it, uh, PPO? Pep, yeah. Pe Pepio? <laughs> PPO, something like that. We had a nice debate earlier about this. but French Pe fella. Pepio. Um, you're leaning on those five guys to go into, you know, not just one, but two. And then, of course, the World Series, three playoff series to secure the job. In the past, Alex, we've seen Tony Gonsolin in the playoffs. It's not been very pretty. Julio Urias has been good in the playoffs, so he's, I think, a trusted guy I can definitely lean on. Tyler Anderson, he's been very nice this year. Will that last in the playoffs? We've seen him kind of had have cold streaks and hot streaks this year so far. It's been a very nice season. Uh, Tyler Anderson, I mean, he's pitching he, he's pitching like we've never seen before. So um, that's, of course, a nice compliment. Andrew Heaney, I don't know if Heaney has... Has Heaney ever had playoff experience? I don't, Not to my knowledge. Okay. okay, so Heaney, of course, I don't think has ever had playoff experience. And then um, Pepio... Uh, He's a rookie, young rookie coming out of the minors right now this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see if this kind of dominance and this kind of, you know, uh, I guess youth and, you know, fresh arms at the that the Dodgers that the, you know, these guys have not seen much playoff baseball, if they can kind of carry the way. I know, of course, their roster, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, um, you know, basically the whole roster, I think, has played a World Series game. Alex, I'm looking at it. Fred, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman. I think Lux has Trey Turner. Muncie, Taylor, Bellinger. They've all played in a World Series game, so they all have played. I mean, almost every guy has a ring. It's crazy. And that's very true. You're right, too. Yeah. If not have one, have multiple. But yeah. um, when it comes down to it, you know, pitching will be the biggest, you know, key in securing, uh, you know, 
playoff victories and playoff series wins. Their bullpen is still, of course, something really to be, uh, you know, very proud of. I, I like their bullpen a lot, the way they've been, you know, pitching Evan Phillips, uh, Alex Vesia, and of course, you know, David Price coming out of the pen here and there to get some certain jobs done. Um, Chris Martin was, you know, newly acquired, but, um, it's I'm glad you asked that question because I wanted to bring up it's going to be interesting I don't of course I'm not going to count the Dodgers when it comes to you know being such a dominant team they are going to be a tough team for anyone to play against in the playoffs every single day you're going to get that consistent um, they can score 10 runs on you no matter what team you are no matter what pitching staff you are the Dodgers can get that done but I just look at it in the end will that staff be able to hold up in the end to uh to help them get to the World Series and, you know, in the end, help them win a World Series. I look at teams like the Astros. I look at teams even like the Mets, Alex. I wanted to bring them up today. They got DeGrom back. DeGrom, the last couple starts, Alex, I mean, unreal. he's been picking up right where he's left off. It's been unreal. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, Max Scherzer, of course, going to be a great weapon to have right there. Chris Bassett, he's their number three, Alex, and he right now should be a number, you know, he should be number one or number two on a lot of playoff teams. I think on the on the Twins and on the Cardinals and on the the even probably even the Guardians too, he could be a number one if oh, not yeah. for Beaver. But um, I, I look at the Mets as being a team that's really ready right now. I also with having Taiwan Walker and I think also having Carrasco as well. Um, I know Walker, I think, got banged up. He might be on the IL right now. I think um, he just got pulled from his game today. Got pulled from his game. Okay. So we'll so, see how that goes. But I look at the Mets as being a team that's definitely geared up five strong arms that can get the job done for you right then and there. And also a, they're a possible team that will have a bye being the two seed um, when you look at that as well. Also, you got to look at these matchups right now as well because you could, you could say if the Braves get the four seed and then, of course, let's just say the five seed is... Let's just say it's Phillies, the Padres, or yeah, the, the Padres. Let's just say it's the Padres. You know, you have two insanely good teams right there. Even though I think the Dodgers kind of have the Padres number, but imagine facing the Braves in the first round of the A or the NLCS. Um, very tough matchup to go against the World Series. Uh, you know, World Series champs of 2021. But um, I just look at some of the other staffs that I think have a little bit more depth and have. Uh, I don't want to say guys that have been there because the Dodgers have guys that have been there, but they just have that. They, they just have a lot more arms that I think can more dogs. Uh, exactly. More, more dogs can get it done. But of course I don't want to count them out right now. And also um, I think we haven't covered it yet. You know, the passing of Vince Scully, their, um, their longtime broadcaster, I think his last season was in 2016 or 17. But um, I definitely thought when that news broke, I thought this was honestly going to be a great push for the Dodgers to possibly make this year more about them, you know, more about themselves, sorry, not more, not about themselves, but more about something else. And, you know, being a great tribute to Vin going out there and winning the world series be something I think that they're really striving for. I, I saw the patch on their sleeves. So yep. in my eyes, I saw that as adding more fuel to the fire. And honestly, I even told some of my buddies that I was like, once that news broke out, I was like, honestly, go to Vegas and put a hundred bucks right now on the Dodgers win world series. I feel like this year would be a year they could do that because of this kind of stuff um, happening. They did it when Kobe died and you know that's right a sentimental win and then of course you know this year they could possibly of course do it again for that reason but um it's gonna be concerning Alex. one thing i'll say is i think in 2017 we saw them play their best baseball again in august we saw them just go on some crazy winning streaks bellinger was an insanely good rookie uh rookie of the year that year and uh was breaking out and you know i know they made it to the world series <laughs> game seven came up just short but i just wonder about some of these teams that get hot in the uh in in the months of august and then of course looking at the dodgers alex they can probably take their foot off the gas pedal 
for the division, if you look at that, the first week and a half of September, because right now we're looking at what, 18 games, 17 games in the lead of the division. I mean, teams that have that big of a lead, it's nice that they can get some rest, but it's also, uh, in my mind, it's a little scary because you take your foot off the gas pedal for a couple of weeks, and then you got to bring that high intensity right back into the playoffs. I've always said, I think teams that go in as a wild card have an edge in the playoffs because they've been playing playoff baseball for the past couple of weeks in September, um, rather than teams like the number one division teams that go in with some rest and, you know, have been kind of playing just, you know, inner squads for the past couple of weeks. But that's kind of my take on that. Still, of course, Alex, I mean, easily, easily the best team in Major League Baseball right now, the Dodgers. There's just no questions about it right now. Okay. Yeah, I think we agree about that. Uh, I think that... Long analysis, yeah. I know it's it's all good because um, I agree with what you said that it's... Postseason baseball just gets so interesting because every year there's some wild card team or yep. some sneaky team that ends up being a threat. And so always the team that probably gets counted out in the first round ends up, uh, you know, being at least some sort of threat, you know, uh, every year it's someone different. Did not see Red Sox last year. <laughs> Red Sox came out of nowhere, you know, and then, yeah, and uh, Braves too. Braves were, I think the one team that everyone was saying in the first round of last year, which team is the least likely to win the world series. Everyone was saying probably the Braves. Easily. They were a division winner, but wins. it was, it was the, some of the lowest win totals for a division winner that year. And then, uh, they just, didn't have Acuna. It yep. felt like they didn't have all the pieces, but of course, everybody showed up at the right time, especially those clutch uh, free, uh, additions, you, yeah. the trade trade deadline acquisitions. So, um, I, I imagine that Travis this year, someone will come out of the shadows and become a huge threat. But based on the way the Dodgers are playing, I think that they're in a really great spot mm-hmm. for you know October baseball. I'm just gonna imagine that Bueller. You know, I mean, we know that he's out, and I'm gonna imagine that even if Kershaw's out, it's still really, really crazy what the rest of their pitching staff has been able to do. Very Tyler much. Anderson is at a 148 ERA plus. Urias a 173 ERA plus. Gonsolin a 185 ERA plus. Uh, and then like, that's like a you know, if I say elite, elite front three, those names don't really come to mind, right? <laughs> but but in terms of the performance, they have been. And yeah. and will that change in October? We'll have to wait and kind of see. But I think um, the Dodgers have figured out, you know, how to make those guys cook, and they've been cooking in a really big way. Um, even guy like Mitch White has had some really good starts here. Um, a solid 3.7 ERA from a guy that you know, kind of had to answer the call of duty when the other guys get hurt, and he's been good for them. So, and isn't Mitch White? He's a he's a Blue Jay now, right? Is he? He's a Blue Jay. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. my that's my yeah. mistake then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Blue Jay for the past yeah two games you started so far. I, I I don't I saw that today, Alex, and I thought to myself, I don't know who they traded for for the. I'm trying the, to think. Jays. I'm trying I, to think what that trade might have been. Then I, I I did see a stat that the Dodgers were the only team in baseball. Let me. I have it right here, actually. But it was an interesting stat about how like the Dodgers pitching staff has like all these guys with these elite performances, and it's guys you just would not expect. Yeah. Let me make sure I get it right here. Yeah. So this was no hit bids, uh, of at least five or more innings with no hits, um, by Dodgers starters this year. Taylor Anderson did that twice. Gonsolin did it twice. Kershaw did it twice, and Mitch White did it twice. So they have eight times they've had no-hit bids through five. I mean, that just shows that the Dodgers staff, they just know what they're doing, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, even though Mitch White is no longer on the team, I still think that their ability to have guys kind of answer the call of duty. And you and, know, uh, and a kudos to the pitching coach, Mark, Mark Pryor, to uh, you know, 
He seems like a master. He knows what he's doing too. So yeah. Um, yeah, and and it just seems like you know, PPO comes up. Um, whoever else, if Heaney tries, I can already tell you right now, if Heaney has to make a playoff start, I have so much faith in them just because the Dodgers, they just know what they're doing. Heaney has a 1.16 ERA. It's just 31 innings pitched. Yeah. But it just goes to show that they really, uh, when they target a guy, they, I guess, have a game plan and how to utilize him and, and they utilize him well. But yeah, just going through like their depth of, <laughs> I'm scrolling through the depth of the pitching, and I see Hanser Alberto with a 2.25 ERA right. yeah. for some uh, posi- some position batters in there, yeah. some position player pitching going on. But yeah, Travis, I just have too much faith in I guess the Dodgers' ability to play smart baseball. But in the randomness of a seven game series, we already know that anything can happen. So definitely, um, I'll keep it moving, Travis. We talked about the hot team, which is the Dodgers. We can go over to the not hot team, which is going to be the New York Yankees. They have one of the, I think that's like a 20-something best record um, in baseball since the trade deadline. So mm-hmm. we're pretty much talking about, um, I think it was about a 33 win percentage or something like that. Yeah, it's been bad. But uh, with that in mind, Travis, are you changing your thoughts about them as a team because of this stretch? Um, one thing I noticed is during this really bad stretch, they have a, last time I checked before today, plus two run differential. So wow. despite this really bad stretch, they still have outscored their opponents. Yeah. So when they win, they win by a lot, and they lose these, uh, I guess, brutal close games. But they've been just been losing series left and right. Yeah. So has your opinion of the Yankees as a team and what they're capable of changed because of this stretch? Or do you think um, something can, can click back into place for, for October? I think something can click back in place. Um, I know the, you know... The, the, the IL stint of Matt Carpenter, of course, is going to hurt a lot what he's been doing for the team. Alex saw that quote, I think, today. He's the glue that bonded them together this season. Um, he really has from his from from the first day that he came through to the New York Yankees. They have just been a wrecking ball machine. Um, and it's funny, too, that you have a guy like Joey Gallo, Alex, that everyone in New York hated. I'm pretty sure maybe even some of the Yankees probably hated just with his production. He leaves and they just start tanking. So it's kind of funny when you get some of these guys that statistically are doing so bad but possibly maybe there's just a little bit of chemistry there that sparks this team into becoming a better uh better built machine or something like that so it's it's definitely something to definitely think about and of course stanton on the il right now um getting new guys like ben attendee getting new guys like uh who's the pitcher of course um they just got frankie montas of course oh, yeah. so getting new guys like that it's definitely i think a I think it takes a little bit of time for some of these guys to maybe make the transition into the Yankee pinstripes and to build that, you know, that, that team chemistry and that team identity possibly. But um, like I said, I think that if they're picking the best time to go on this kind of uh, losing skid better now than October, exactly. Yeah. Imagine going to October. And then of course you the first s- week you, you get have swept to face. by the Mariners or whoever it is. Exactly. Exactly. You got to go and play, you know, let's just say it's the Mariners. Let's just say it's, it's, it's one of your nemesis. It's the Rays or the, or the Blue Jays, and you got to play them. And now, of course, you are losing the series to them. That'd be a, that'd be a, a complete embarrassment. But um, I think right now that they're happy that that's happening right now. And they, of course, think I checked today, Alex, and what is it, like a 10-game lead in the division. So the division looks like it's pretty safe and sound. It looks like also the, the you know, claiming a top-two spot for the first-round bye looks like it's pretty safe to say as well. I know Cleveland is the division leader for the Central with 62 wins, and New York has 72 wins. So if they were to let that slip away, that'd be kind of a um, 
That'd be pretty shocking. That'd be a pretty shocking thing as well. I know New York would, you know, love to take a bye than rather have to play the first round. Um, but right now, uh, it, it's it's a tough stretch. But I think I'm 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 definitely I'm safe to say that they are, you know, they're better than what their record has shown. I think in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, tough series. I think against the Cardinals, they got swept, and you know, the Cardinals just look so good. And then of course, I think they they lose the series this past weekend to Boston. I know they lost. Sunday I believe night. they lost the series. They lost the series. So they, I think, I think almost every series, Alex, like you've been saying, they, they've been losing almost lost every series. Lost to the Mariners. It just, You're right. And the Mariners was a disappointment. I, I watched that one game. It went, what, 13 innings and it was 0 0. And it, it just, crazy. it just seemed like the base running gaffes. It, it, it was just amazing that the New York Yankees could not score a run in, you know, 12 to 13 innings. And so that's one, of course, big flaw. But um, you're right. The base running was just completely awful. So. I think that they can get it switched around. I think they can definitely make a turnaround of the season. Um, one team I know that has been pretty consistent has been the Houston Astros, Alex, and they're probably laughing at this right now as they are, you know, just kind of a juggernaut team that seems to um, just get better with time, as we've seen the last five years with uh, October baseball and late seasons of the Houston Astros. So um, it definitely, I think, gives them a little bit more fuel to the fire that this team right now is kind of struggling and that, you know, Astros can possibly secure a number one spot get to host the ass or they get to host the Yankees um if they come out to play them in the ALCS but I know I'm getting too ahead of myself but right now the Yankees still a really good team still really high on them I think they can definitely make a rebound the pitching staff I mean just the names Alex are just too good to struggle I mean with with Garrett Cole with Montas with uh Jameson Tyon and then of course with uh I Nestor think, I think Nestor of course still pitching I know Jordan Montgomery kind of an interesting trade getting to uh getting traded to St. Louis, uh, St. Yeah. Louis. that was definitely pretty interesting but um I, I'm pretty confident that these guys can definitely get the ship back in uh, back in order and, uh, you know, cruise to a division title and then, of course, get ready for October. But just a tough stretch right now. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I think that right now the team is just like, it's just one of those stretches where you can't get over the hump. Uh, I, I'm getting I'm getting notifications right now. They just lost to the race. So they just I think it's like a five-game losing streak. And then, of course, before that, there's yep. all these other uh you know it's just been a really downward spiral for them uh it has to be a bit worrisome just because of uh you thought you were one thing yep. which is being like a runaway al winner by you know maybe like i mean astros are always going to be good but you could make a cushion there between yourself and them yep. now it's astros ahead of you building a cushion keeping you down in second place um you kind of have to worry about falling the third rather than just, you know, kind of coasting like the Dodgers are going to be able to coast. Um, so it's definitely an unfortunate stretch for them. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about what the team's capable of. A few things have kind of gone wrong. A couple things are still going right, though. But, you know, Carpenter missing time is Travis something that we thought wouldn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, it really does matter because um, he went from, you know, uh, a minor league contract to one of the biggest bats and the biggest team. So I think him coming back at some point, he said that he thinks he'll be able to play before the season ends. So uh, I have, don't have any update on his injury status, but he thinks he's going to be able to come back. So if that ends up being the case, it'll be a huge boost at the right time for them when that does end up happening. Uh, one other thing, Travis, I, I, I didn't like the Benintendi, the Benintendi pickup when it happened. Mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. honestly, I was saying it at the time. I don't think Benintendi is an upgrade over Gallo. They're completely different players, mm -hmm. almost polar opposite. If you look at Benintendi's stats this year, Travis, he has absolutely no slugging, yeah. but the contact is good, and the on-base, he's actually walking a really good amount. But Gallo is a, a big walker, 
and the slugging is a lot bigger than the average. The average is weak, but the power is high. So they're so different in that regard, um, comparing the average versus the pop. But um, Ben Attendee's contact has really slipped yeah. uh, in his time with the Yankees so far. The average is down like in the low 200s, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah 185. So 185 average. Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's just dropping by the day. And I think Gallows is what? 260 something something like that and i, I know it's seven games but still yeah. and, and gal the thing is he's not playing for average like that i know that, that, exactly. that's just a bonus yeah, like yeah. it matters yeah. that you know he got he has like two or three home runs with the dodgers so far so that's really what he's trying to do um ben Intendi's slugging travis it's just like i think his, his iso his isolated power which is if you just take slugging and you subtract average yeah. it's below 100 mm-hmm. it's like there's less than 100 gap between his slugging and his average his, yeah. Yeah. his slugging is like three 80 or 90 or something it's just it's just not high yeah and so yeah. 382 right now in the season so that's the yeah. kind of player where if you stop hitting for contact because of a slump your value really drops because you're not doing much else whereas at least in a in a banger bust swing like gallo you're gonna hit the odd home run yeah. and it's gonna give that little bit of a boost in that mm-hmm. one game um you know that might be a hot take that some people who watch Gallo's numbers this season might think that he's just trash I would disagree but that's neither here nor there the Dodgers have maybe found something good with Gallo or maybe he's just on a bit of a lucky you know yeah. couple weeks yeah. so we'll kind of see how Gallo kind of trends but I think Ben Attendee for the Yankees is not like the savior that they thought they were going to get um if he hits 300 in October then that's a win for them but I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen uh his average was good in the first half I don't think that means it's going to be good in the second half he's just not the kind of player who um you know, has like the he doesn't have like the precedent in my mind of like, oh yeah, this guy's like a three ten hitter for his career. Yeah, I don't yeah. see him as that kind of guy, um, just personally. So, uh, well, I guess the last thing I'll mention on this Yankees topic, Travis, um, this tweet was a uh, one day ago by Codify Baseball, so it was not completely up to date considering uh, last night and tonight's stats. But Aaron Judge was hitting three fifty two. With a 489 on base, 852 slugging in his last 30 games. But the Yankees were 11 and 19 mm-hmm. in those games. So I guess we can't say he was the most viable player during that time. And that's just a nice little shade because a lot of people are kind of saying that Otani cannot be the MVP because his team's not winning games. Yeah. And Aaron Judge is having the best stretch of his season, possibly of his career in the last like month and a half. Of course, yeah. And the Yankees are in a downward spiral. So it is such an interesting kind of, you know, that's just how it goes. It just it just further kind of cements the undeniable fact that an individual player cannot win you a baseball game. Yeah. Maybe they can win you one game every once in a while um, if you're Shoei Otani or Aaron Judge and you hit like, you know, three home runs or whatever it is. But for the most part, an individual's player on a team's record is very small. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's about the team as a whole. And that's the way the baseball is is designed and, um, and Shohei is the only guy on the face of this earth that has the ability to absolutely win a game on his own so um Aaron Judge could hit four home runs in a game at Yankee Stadium they could all be solo shots they could win they could the they pitchers could, score could blow four it. runs and yep. Garrett Cole could give up five runs in the fifth inning and they could lose five four with you know Aaron Judge going four for four with four home runs so um yep you look at that way and you could you know that that's a great way to put it is that you know of course I, I hate the whole fact of MVP has to do with a winning team. Um, I think, of course, that you're not going to get, you know, if Shohei Otani was on the, I don't know, Pittsburgh Pirates, I'll just throw that. That'd be, of course, a, it would definitely be kind of a, 
weird MVP pick because, of course, he's such a special player, but the team is just so down the dumps that I get how some people don't want to pick a guy because not the the team is just a complete dumpster fire. And I, I get that aspect a little bit, but also it's about one person's performance not the team's performance. The Angels are never, of course, the team that's always down the dumps, except for this season. The last couple months have been brutal. But, um, you know, you're looking at the last, you know, you're looking at the at, at the performance and what the player's able to do. Um, Shohei Otani is right there with Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge, I mean, honestly, I mean, the past couple of weeks, I know he's been on, on, on insane pace with a home run. I think he has uh, 46 home runs right now. Alex, I think he's on pace. Last I checked, it was like 60 four or something like was that. It? Um, so it, he was on pace to, to definitely shatter um, the Yankees uh, single season home run record, which of course is Maris. So, I mean, a season where you break Maris and you break uh, and you break Babe Ruth and also you break, of course, Mickey Mantle, those iconic legends of the Yankees franchise um, that of course, I think is going to get a lot of voters uh, extremely happy. And they're going to say, Hey, you know, we like Yankees. We Yankees are the team of the baseball world. And, you know, Aaron Judge is going to be the guy who's going to lead us for the uh, for the MVP. But um, I, I'm right there with you, Alex. One guy cannot win a baseball game. And I think that um, some people get really caught up into their sports where you look at football, where you look at basketball. Tom Brady can go out there and lead, you know, an awful team, probably to a 500 record. He could probably lead them to the playoffs. And then, of course, you right. look at basketball, you know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, you know, all these guys can lead a team of just misfit toys to nba finals um right and i know steph curry's been playing on some pretty good teams but i'll, I'll just <laughs> say true. i'll just say lebron james because uh going back to 2018 that was pretty brutal but uh it's just funny that baseball you get so many studs on one team um and you even look at the angels you have two iconic studs the two best players in major league baseball on one team and this year they might they probably won't even win 75 games so um pretty crazy with baseball how 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 everything like that works and mvp can definitely change your opinion um, and I know a lot of analysts, they, they like to, of course, include the whole winning aspect, which yeah, is just, it's, it just blasphemy. The, I think the worst phrase is when I hear, I think Bob Nightingale actually tweeted this a couple of days ago over the weekend, that judge is the most valuable player because he has more value than Otani, but Otani is better. And that just makes absolutely no sense at all. <laughs> that contradicts your argument. Because yeah. if you are better you are giving more value just because that value doesn't turn into a team win yeah. doesn't mean that there wasn't value there otani is boosting his team up a ton but the baseline is so low that it doesn't get you over the top to get the w for that given day but otani right now travis is leading in so many stats um i saw something today he's like top um actually i'll just pull it up because i have it right here i might as well get it right um, he's just leading in so many stats, both in pitching and in hitting that um, like top five in the American League and in kind of both aspects of of, of the game. And people, people kind of act like what he did, I guess, last year um, was either better or I, I'm not sure what what the mm -hmm. argument is. But um, I think that what he's done so far has been uh, and I'm having trouble finding it. But anyways, essentially the the the. He's like the best strikeout percentage in baseball. He's yep. like top five in FIP, top five in like all these expected stats. Um, he's like in the teens for American League ERA. He's got like a two six ERA or something like that. I mean, he's just been a phenomenal pitcher. If it ended right now, he'd be probably third, fourth, fifth in Cy Young for American League. Yep. Um, and then offensively, he's like top like five or six in home runs in the American League. Like he's still like 
the home run total is not what it was last year. Yeah. He's still top five in AL home runs. Like, I mean, what, I mean, what isn't the guy doing essentially yeah. is, is yeah. my point, but yeah. yeah. Better um, year a plus than last year. Um, right. but of course a better OPS plus last year than this year. So we have seen, of course, a better pitcher this year than last year. And we have seen a, you know, we, we saw a better hitter last year than this year, but I mean, that shouldn't discredit anything. And I know we talked about this, Alex, before the season even started that we, we spoke and said, if Otani has a, you know, I guess you could say worse season than, you know, if he has, if he has the similar season than last year, he's not going to win the MVP. And that's kind of what it looks like right now. Maybe, maybe people are expecting him to go above and beyond. And even if he did a little bit, some people might, might not say, is he the MVP? Probably not. But, um, I mean, I, I think he's just definitely controlled himself into a, and, and honestly, I, I would argue, Alex, I mean, I think this is honestly the best version of Shoyotani we've seen in his career this season so far. I, I think last year was great when it came to the hitting. Um, the pitching was really good, but from what he's been able to do pitching wise, and that's his primary position. I mean, actually DH is his primary position, but um, he's not practicing DH because all you do is hit. You're not, you're not, you're not practicing ground balls at the DH role, but what he's been able to do at the pitching side um, just how much better he's gotten this year. And then of course the hitting is pretty similar to last year. Um, I, I strangely would say, I think 2022 Shohei Otani is, is the best Shohei Otani I've seen, um, so far in his career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say you're wrong either because the pitching has taken strides in very noticeable ways. The strikeout numbers have always been good, but they're really off the charts this year. He developed a slider that's so much improved. Um, and even a sinker, I thought I heard too. Just yesterday, debuted a sinker for the first time. It's like a sinker, two-seamer. Only have seen it for thrown a few times in a big league game. God. First time debuted luck, last AL, night. AL batters. Yeah. But, but Travis, someone compared like the miles per hour, the amount of inches of drop, and the inches of like run inside on a righty batter. And it is almost identical to Sandy Alcantara. So, wow. like, we're talking about just adding, like, the primary pitch of the current NL Cy Young favorite, like, into Otani's arsenal as his sixth pitch just for fun. Yeah. Like, he, this guy can just literally just throw stuff in. But he's become, like, a really slider-dominant pitcher. He still hits 100 miles an hour when he needs to. Um, his pitching has just been on another level. Is he going to win the MVP? If it ended today, I think Judge would win it based on the vote. Mm -hmm. I would definitely be voting for Otani, but we'll kind of save some of the more detailed discussions comparing the two for the end of the season, assuming that no one else jumps in the race. I don't think anyone else is going to jump in this race, Travis. If it's like it's a two-man race. Um, Jordan's behind him, but it's it's a mile. I mean, I, I don't think a DH is going to win it anytime soon. I think if so. a DH were to win, he'd have to be playing the absolute complete season. He's already missed more time than Judge, I think. And he'd have to be putting up 60 home runs. Be be looking at Barry Bonds' breaking record kind of season, where you know a DH is only putting together a hitting, um, a hit, a hitting aspect that voters can really look at. They're not doing anything else. I think Jordan's playing some left field, but. Um, not enough that I think voters are going to look at him as being, you know, no gold glove, you know, stud left fielder. But, um, and I think in that ballpark at, at, uh, what is it? Minute made. I think that ballpark is pretty forgiving for a left fielder. Cause you only got to play what? 250 feet sure. back from the home plate. Just let it hit the wall and just <laughs> throw it into second base. Nice. Exactly. And exactly. But yeah, I think that the, the MVP race is probably going to get more heated down the stretch. Otani just has to keep it up on the mound yeah. and the bat is going to, you know, continue to do what it always has done. But yeah, I think that, uh, we'll kind of let that rest for the time being. Um, I guess one last note on the conversation, uh, people always say like, Oh, so Otani is going to win every year because he can do two things. 
in my mind, it's like, well, if he's doing two things at an all-star level, then the answer is yes. He's just, he's just going to win every year. <laughs> yeah, if he exactly. can be a, you know, uh, three to four to five war pitcher and a two to three war DH, then yeah, he's just going to win it every year. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like saying like, oh, so William May is going to win it every year. It's like, well, if he's the best player, then he's going to, it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. You can't just say like, you can't oh, get mad at that. Yeah. You're, you're pretty much like, you're pretty much saying you're getting bored of the fact that he's doing both and you want someone else to win. Well, if the person is not producing more value, then um, I'm sorry to tell you that the guy who gets the most value, regardless of the team's record, is more valuable. So, But we'll, we'll break it down more down hey, the stretch. Bonds won it from 2001 to 2004, and I, I think people were probably getting pretty tired of it in 2004, but that was his best season of all time. So yeah, um, I, I don't think there's really too, complain- and, you know, too many complaints. And, when you look at the numbers, the, it's it's all there. So One of the stupidest things, uh, I mentioned the Bob Nightingale tweet earlier where he said that Otani was the best but not the most valuable. He said if it went to the best player instead of the most valuable, then Bonds would have won it all the time or something like that. I'm like, Bonds did win it all the time. Yeah. He won it seven times. The most of all time. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, you're pretty much just proving your own argument wrong yeah. by yeah. using Bonds as an example because he was the best player for a majority of his career. He won MVPs for a majority of his prime, yep. Um, yep. including some with the Pirates and some with the Giants. So it really... Uh, and that's one thing that pisses me off about this, about this whole thing, Alex. I know we keep on talking about it, but with the MVP and people always want to just kind of side note saying, well, is he the best player or is it, or is he the MVP? The MVP should be the best player in that. It league. is. It, it is because, but people pe- of course are people like, people think well, value well, equals Let's give a most outstanding player award. It's like, no, yeah. no well, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's, it's just get- most outstanding is most valuable. There's not, okay. I, I just last thing, <laughs> then we'll move on. <laughs> I just need Bob Nightingale or anyone else who wants to vote for Aaron Judge to come to your house and I, I, <laughs> I have I have no problem if you can look at me and say Aaron Judge has produced more with his bat than Otani has with his bat and pitching combined. If you think that, then that's fine. But if you look at record and stuff like that, then you need to tell me what is Aaron Judge doing to help win games that Otani is not doing. Because if they switch teams, Travis, the Yankees would still be a first place in the AL in the AL East and the angels would still be well below 500 switch. If you switch them to, it's not like judges are better, more winning player right now. Yeah. You're yeah. just kind of saying, Oh, his team, he's on a better team. He has better teammates, a better pitching staff, better supporting, Open. better supporting cast better coaches. <laughs> Therefore he is more valuable. doesn't yeah. make any sense to yeah. me, but um, we will spare the listeners any more Otani <laughs> talk for the time being, at least moving on, Travis. Staying with one of the Yankees, but also another pitcher in New York as well. I kind of had this interesting thought when DeGrom came back. Um, DeGrom picked up right where he he left off, right, Travis? Um, I had some crazy stat here I saved. According to Codify Baseball, last 97 starts of Jacob DeGrom's career, 1.94 ERA. Last 97 starts. Only pitchers in MLB history to have a lower ERA than that in a 97 start span, Koufax, Maddox, Kershaw, end of list. So, I mean, that's quite elite company. We know how elite DeGrom is. Yeah. It, it almost got to the point where how long can this guy miss out on playtime yeah. and still have that number one spot? Because we both said, like, you know, no, no matter who's the best pitcher this season, according to Cy Young and all that stuff, DeGrom is still the number one spot until 
we see a decline from him, right? I want him on my team, yeah. yeah. He's the number one pick until we see some sort of sign of slippage. Going into the season, Travis, if we had to say who are the two best pitchers in baseball, ignoring injuries, ignoring everything, just best pitchers on the face of the earth, I think everyone would have said number, almost everyone would have said number one is DeGrom, number two is Garrett Cole, just based off what they've continued to prove the last few seasons. My question to you is, is that still true? Is it still Jacob DeGrom number one, Garrett Cole number two? Are those the two best pitchers on the face of the earth? I'm not talking about this season. I'm just saying on the face of the earth, make the all-world rotation. Who is one and two? Yeah, that, that, I, 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 I'm consistently strong on saying Jacob DeGrom is number one. Um, mm-hmm. I know the injuries, of course, have been annoying. They've been just kind of a bother. But, Alex, you come back from what he's been through, and in the first three games, a one six two ERA, uh, you know, strikeouts pretty much almost doubling innings pitched. Uh, right now, he's at a 15.1 strikeouts per nine uh, right now. But I mean, he is number one, easy to say. Number two, I actually might not lean towards Garrett Cole. He has, of course, slipped up this past season. You know, I think we all think of Garrett Cole the last what? The last two, three years being not, of course, what we saw in 2019. I think we, I, I, I of course, remember 2019 Garrett Cole. Um, absolute ace unbelievable season that he had this year even though he still pitched very very good the last couple of seasons at era above three that could be a little bit more of a you know disheartening look on you know kind of i, I wouldn't say his legacy but um i think he's definitely going to be headed to cooperstown when his career is over most most definitely but um the last couple of seasons some people might ask you know, with the spire attack was that a big key in it probably and that probably really phased some of those things that happened um number two alex i you know it's tough. I don't, I don't know who number two is right now. I mean... You think it's up for grabs? I think it's up for grabs. I think after the season, it can be up for grabs. Garrett Cole, I mean, if you said, do you want Garrett Cole in your team? Of course, I want Garrett Cole in my team. I think that he is uh, just such a such a dominating presence in anyone's on anyone's roster and can lead any team to a playoff series. But um, the last couple, last couple years of slippage has been a little bit concerning. I know he finished second in Cy Young last year. Um, Robbie Ray had a really good year, uh, and you know, deserving, deserving. So got the Cy Young, but I, I don't know, Alex. I mean, do, do you, who, who do you have in mind for number two? Is Garrett Cole still your number two guy? Yeah, it's hard to say because I agree with what you said about DeGrom. I have thought of a number one until proven otherwise, until we see him decline. No one at the moment is on his level. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of number two, I think Cole has earned that spot the last few seasons, but then as of right now, I agree that it's a bit up for grabs. If I had to pick someone, it would be between Cole and Corbin Burns. I'm okay. not sure who I would okay. have to pick. But I think going into the season, Travis, we both made our top 10 power rankings for mm-hmm. pitchers. I think we both had Cole number two, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, too. Yeah. So, I mean, just a couple months ago, we were on the same page that Cole, benefit of the doubt, number two. This season has not been bad by any means. He's still been a really good pitcher. Yep. He has the most strikeouts in all of baseball, most of innings pitched in the American League. Um, so he's just been a, a workhorse in that regard. 3.30 ERA is not uh, absolutely phenomenal, but it is you know very solid. Um, if, even though it's similar to his ERA last year, um, the ball is more dead this year, so the ERA plus is quite a bit down. But I still have faith in him to be a top pitcher in all of baseball going forward for the next few seasons. But 
as of right now, there might be guys who are a bit more in their apex moment. A guy like Corbin Burns definitely comes to mind. If Wheeler keeps it up, he could also be in that kind of conversation. But I do like what you said about, or I think I said it, but um, it being up for grabs, essentially. I think that we're in agreement there that um, there could be a changing of the guard in that top, top tier. Even McClanahan, if he kind of has a monster month or a couple months remaining in the season, some of these guys who are just kind of more in their peak, whereas Cole might be just on the coming down from his peak, which is still going to be a really high level, but just no longer his top level where he's a consensus number two. He's definitely not right now a consensus, a consensus number two. Do we agree on that? Like he's not like the baseball world's obvious choice for number two. Who's that you just said right now again? Uh, Cole. Oh, Cole. He's yeah, no yeah, longer the yeah, no, he's yeah, no longer the easy yeah, number two. Yeah, not the easy number two. I think again, Degrom, easy number one. Again, you could shout so many names. You could go with Zach Wheeler. You can go with, um, you know, like you said, Corbin Burns. I would lean Corbin Burns a little more. Just the last two seasons, it's been it's been great. It's been pretty great to see. And so, um, the one thing I will say is, you know, Garrett Cole. Every single year, I'm even looking at the past four seasons of, uh, you know, top war getters. Um, he's on the list every year for top ten, top five. Um, it just seems like every year Garrett Cole is right in the mix. There's really no other name that's consistently on there just as much as Garrett Cole is. So, um, you know, when you you know when a team's going to face him, um, he has an opportunity opportunity to do something really special that night. So. Um, I definitely would not argue some if they said Garrett Cole is number two. I think that uh, he is just a complete stud. He is basically him and DeGrom are um, basically leading this uh, this decade, I think, of, of the 20s. When you look at the top aces of uh, of the 2020s so far, um, Cole and DeGrom have to be two guys that you have to keep an eye on. But uh, it, it's 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 up there. I mean, like I said, Burns and uh, and, and even Wheeler. Um, Rodon's making a good case. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the I last mean, couple, the last couple seasons. So if it, Rodon can prove, you know, the full season that he's going to be dominant, and then gets a big deal going the next season and keeps it up, like I, like I said, I mean, number two is really hard to pick a, a name. I think Burns might be the only guy who really can take it from yeah. from Cole this season. Easily, but yeah. like maybe this time next season, we could be thinking about Rodon. We could be thinking about McClanahan, Wheeler. If Alcantara has a does what he did this year, does it next year. Um, you know, who knows? So uh, lots of possibilities in that number two spot. But it, it, it was really, really refreshing to see DeGrom really not even miss a step when he yeah, came back. Yeah, multiple impressive. multiple games with no earned runs so far. So he's just been uh, pretty uh, dominant. But Travis, we'll keep moving. New topic that we both already kind of discussed a bit, or we, we at least mentioned that we wanted to talk about it together. We just had the Field of Dreams game. And we haven't talked about it. Travis, <laughs> we're, right, Travis we're an hour and five minutes in. We haven't talked about it. Do you know why? Because it wasn't that special of a game, and they I was asleep on the couch. Uh, <laughs> they could have made it. They could have made it more of an event. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's still a really cool concept. It's, it's awesome. a really fun event. The fact that they actually built the stadium and have fans there, it's awesome. Legends come back to you know play. Fergie Jenkins, yeah. Johnny Bench, were Johnny Bench in the yeah. booth talking to the announcers. It was great. I mean, and and you know the game wasn't like a blowout, so you yeah. still was a reason yeah. to watch yeah. if you like one of those teams. But Travis. They need they need to change the the way they they pick the teams. Yeah, yeah, uh, pretty um, bad. Last year you picked two teams that were kind of locks to be at least good teams, if not playoff teams. And in division winners, the yeah. White Sox and the Yankees. You can't predict the future of who's going to be in those spots, you know. But um, last year they picked teams that we knew had at least, if nothing else, a lot of special talent on the teams, Definitely. if nothing else. Definitely. This year, Chicago Cubs versus Cincinnati Reds. 
you know, they can't really predict how those teams are going to do. Yeah. But just from a star power standpoint, I, I mean, Alex, I think we could have predicted how those teams were going to do. I appreciate I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty because, I mean, I could have told you before the season, the Reds will probably be sellers this year. Of course, they ended up being sellers. They don't have Castillo anymore. They don't yeah. have Winker. Yeah. Half of their all-star type names are no, no longer on the team. Um, they're selling. So why are we... I mean, so I guess part of the issue is why are we re- rewarding them with this special game? But yeah. the real issue is viewership was way down this year compared yeah. to last year. And it's not because we got tired of the event, I don't think. I yeah, think it's, it's just 50%. because yeah. it's because of the matchup. Um, the Cubs have some fun young talent, I guess. And Wilson Contreras is having a nice season. Mm-hmm. But um, if you really wanted to make the game something out of this world, I mean, I could have told you preseason, Travis. Cardinals-Mets. It's going to be great. I could have told you that. Like Easily. The roster, even if the teams are like the rosters, yep. even if they're 500 for some crazy bad luck, the rosters alone, you're going to have Arenado, you're going to have Goldschmidt, you're going to have you have a 50 50 chance of having like a, a DeGrom or Scherzer on the mound, you know, or, or, or another all star pitcher. I think just the other options that you could have had, I know they wanted like. The central kind of makes sense, right? Like, it kind of fits the vibe. Yeah, the Midwest, all that stuff, yeah. But, like, I just don't... I mean, if nothing else, even... I know Cubs-Cardinals is a rivalry. I just don't get the Reds pick, really. Like, (laughs) the the, the Cubs are one of the biggest markets in baseball year after year. So, I I mean, I get that the fan base is so big that you might want to just kind of throw them in there. But um, I think the Cardinals are too obvious of a pick, just considering you're going for an NL Central team. You could have picked the Cardinals. Um, and then Dodgers is going to get tons of viewership, guaranteed to be a, a good talent on the field. Mets, same deal. Or you could have gone reigning champions. Braves would have also been good. A lot of options you could have gone with to make that Field of Dreams game. I think um, bigger spectacle, um, a better chance of getting like a real pitcher's duel or just exciting bats. Last year, it was all about the bats, the White Sox and the Yankees hitting, I think, three home runs combining the two teams in the ninth inning. You know, you're not going to, I mean, you're probably not going to get that in a Cubs-Reds matchup. Uh, But give me, I already kind of talked a lot about it, but give me your thoughts on that game and uh, what they can do to make it better. um, What went wrong this time? Yeah, and last year was cool because um, White Sox, you know, in the movie Field of Dreams, it's about the, I think it's Chicago Black Sox. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's the main topic. So it's, it's cool to have the White Sox in it. And then, of course, you get the New York Yankees. Basically, the team almost of Major League Baseball. Um, everybody knows the Yankees all around the world. So Yankees, White Sox, two, uh, you know, Yankees being a huge brand, a huge name, and the White Sox being, of course, the topic of the movie where the setting was. And uh, both teams have really good players, really good young players, and they're doing really good. So it just kind of seemed like the stars aligned last year for that Field of Dreams game. This year, Cubs, big brand, big name, no superstars really. Not a very good team at all this year. Cincinnati Reds, low market team, no superstars. They traded them all away and um, not doing at all very good again this year as well. So it just seemed like it was two really poor teams, two teams under at the time, 45 wins um, going up against each other. And so it was cool to see that maybe these two teams that have been around for so long, both teams, I think over 100 years old, um, getting to play in a game that just feels like we're going back in time. I see Frank Thomas and I see all these guys wearing, you know, 
the old hats. They think they wear the suspenders with the suit. They all kind of try to dress the part. It's fun. Which is, it's really cool and fun. It's almost like you're going back in time to the 1920s, back into uh, back into the olden days. So um, it's really but, awesome to see that. And the Dodgers, but they were around at that time. Of so course, you, yeah. The you, you, could, you, were around. you could have gone with other teams that have have easily. throwback uniforms. Easily, easily. And I, of course, still I, I vibe with that whole central pick. I like them going around some of those central teams. And I really would have thought, man, a Cardinals Cubs matchup. The rivalry of the of, of St. Louis and Chicago. I mean, right below Iowa, Alex is Missouri. So why not pick Cardinals there in Missouri? Then of course, I think it's what right of Iowa is Illinois, and then of course, right there is it's, Chicago Cubs. It's right there, yeah. So it would have been kind of cool to see that. You know, I know they've gotten two. Both Chicago teams have kind of been have been lucky to have this game at um, at the Field of Dreams spot. But I just thought that, yeah, I thought a Cardinals team would make a lot of sense because a there's a lot of superstars. B we knew. We knew last year, this time, the Cardinals will be in the hunt in one year from now. I think in one year from right now, they'll be in the hunt for the NL Central. So it'd be a smart team to put in next year's um, next year's Field of Dream game. So again, it did not make much sense. No um, no surprise that they went, you know, the, the ratings just fell downhill. Next year, of course, if you want to get more of those old classic teams, you can go back and do maybe the Phillies and the Cardinals, or you can do, like you said, Phillies and the Mets. Dodgers, Giants could be involved. You know, go back to that New York Brooklyn matchup you could do out there. Um, th- there's a lot of different, you know, teams I could see, you know, going out there and doing it, getting Boston involved. I, I, f- I feel like they, they they wanted to do kind of the old school teams to start off, but I think the next couple of years you're probably going to see more of the uh, more of the teams that are really, you know, fun to watch right now playing in that game in Iowa. Because of course, you know, it's fun to see kind of the matchups, but you know what? We want to see superstars. We want to see good teams playing baseball. Last year we saw two great teams playing baseball and it was a great game. So of course uh, it's kind of funny how that correlation um, comes out when you, when you have two good teams like that. But uh, yeah, this year I, I, I watched, I think a couple innings and it, it just was, it wasn't really appealing. I think I was more interested in hearing some of the legends talk in the booth um, right. Fergie Jenkins talk hearing, you know, uh, Johnny bench talk, but again, it was just, it, it, I, I think that it was kind of funny. The preparation leading up to the game is more fun. And then the first pitch you're like, I'm changing the channel right now. Sorry, Nick Lodolo. I hope you have a <laughs> I nice mean, they, career, but the, the Cubs had a fun first inning. I think they scored three runs. Say Suzuki had a nice double in the gap. But after that, Alex, it, I mean, I think it was three, nothing in the first inning. And then of course the game ended as like a four, two finish. And so you kind of look at it and say, well, if you, if you miss the first inning, you kind of miss the game. So, um, yeah, hopefully they can get some better quality teams. I want to see some good quality teams. Maybe some, it, it's kind of cool. If, like I said, to keep that old school style of, uh, uh th- those old franchises that have been around for so long, you know, looking even back at, like I said, the Dodgers and the giants going to St. Louis for the Cardinals going to even, you know, sure. Phillies or the Mets. If you want to explore, um, you know, even Boston, I'm Phillies sure Boston. would have been great. You can market them like exactly. crazy. Exactly. And, you know, e- even some of the old teams, like even Detroit being a Midwest kind of team and Boston, you could do as an East coast team. Um, you know, guys, teams that have played each other for a hundred plus years. Um, and even Detroit has some pretty fun, I think players to look at. Imagine if you had Scooball uh, pitching, and, uh, you know, you still have, you know, Baez is kind of somewhat of a big name. And then, of course, Torkelson and Riley Green are young, upcoming guys. I would watch that game, you know, even though the Tigers aren't too much of a good tra- trajectory this year. But, yeah, I just feel like there's some I feel like there's a lot of teams that they could have went out and gotten for uh, for a lot of for a, a way better matchup. But yeah, hopefully next year, I think and Alex, I'm not so mistaken. I think, honestly, they announced these teams like 
nine or ten. It, it, it was last season. I it was. It was last so season, yeah. hopefully maybe in the next month or so, they can announce, you know, the two next teams that are going to be doing it. And, you know, they hopefully they get it right. So, yeah, I hope so, too. Um, I, agree with, I agree with what you said for the most part. I don't think there'd be a huge problem with, like, a West team being in it. But it would feel a little bit less in place, I guess. It'd yeah. feel a bit more yeah. out of place. I really wonder if they could do something fun for the West Coast, like a Sandlot kind of game. It would have to be like Dodgers Angels or Dodgers Padres yeah. or something like that. Um, I don't know how you're going to build a Sandlot field and make it like MLB regulations, but I think there's, easy, there's, easy. You just play at the Oakland Coliseum. Oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not a big fan of uh, a Ricky Henderson field or whatever it's called. Yeah. But. O dot O dot Co Coliseum or something like that. But yeah, but, but that would be honestly, Alex, it's a good idea. I mean, because that's MLB right now. Yeah, like. You can just find a way to make it look aesthetically kind of like Sandlot, and then everyone knows the game, and they know that the guy ended up being a Dodger or whatever. So, like, easily make it a Dodgers, and then pick your opponent if you want another SoCal team, just or, find some or, or the or, or the Giants uh, would be fun too. They'll just find some abandoned lot in like El Monte or Montebello or something like that. I, that, just, that, that that could work. Just uh, just, just build it j- here. J- just turn an adult softball field. That's true. Slow yeah. pitch. Just make it into a, a nice little York Field Sandlot Sandlot mode, but. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and then Dodgers have a countless number of matchups that you, would be a lot of fun. That of course would be the first team and the first, uh, decision in playing in that Sandlot game. If you had to make one, of course, cause Dodgers, Dodgers, you know, Benny, this Benny, the Jim oh, Rodriguez. yeah, he has yeah. to have the whole, yeah. the whole movie. You have to do it. And uh, some of the kids have like angels hats. So that's why I thought of, um, that and matchup Monarchs too. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Right. 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 City Monarchs. It's true. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, that could be a fun, like other idea that they could do to kind of, I mean, I think. It would be welcome if they, if they be. if they added more of these kind of fun games, still serious games where like obviously it counts for your schedule, yeah. so it's like it gets people invested in it. But at the same time, it is a little bit more kind of fun aspect to it. Uh, it'll just bring in more eyes to the game, I think, and to those kind of cool, um, you know, I guess cool. I don't know what you call them events, I guess. But Travis, a little bit of a breaking news. Um, nothing too mind blowing. Not to don't want to get you too excited, but apparently Michael Harris is currently in a conversation with the Braves about an eight year deal. Oh wow! Well, so, Michael. Oh, Michael Harris. Okay. Michael Harris, yeah. yeah, outfielder for them, rookie. Currently, probably top two in the running for National League Rookie of the Could Year. Could this be Braves steal? It's just crazy <laughs> how they continue to negotiate stuff like this. They get their young guys uh, on long deals early. It's rumored to be, according to John Heyman, about seventy-two million for eight years. So it's almost like an Albies kind of deal. Almost even like Acuna too, where you just get that. Yeah, I think Acuna did crap crack uh, tri- tri- triple digits, yeah. but um, but it's just crazy how you know they're just guaranteeing themselves some security in terms of long term getting these guys locked in. You really, I mean, for their sake, for the Braves' sake, you hope that you know Harris continues to do what he's doing, and yeah, yeah. if he kind of falls off, it's like, oh, we just signed this guy for eight years, <laughs> and like, yeah, no, he, exactly. Well, we only saw him play a hundred games of MLB baseball, you know. So, and he's kind of had the, um, he's not, he's not the skill set of Wander Franco, Alex, but it, you know what, what no. is really, um, what is really reassuring to see is you know seventy games this year so far. He's played three WAR, three Baseball Reference WAR. Um, great and, defender with speed. That's something that's not going to yes. deteriorate unless, you know, God forbid injuries. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, that, I mean, again, the Braves, I think we, there was, there was a tweet a couple, um, it was, it might've been a month ago, but it was basically showing the Braves. Um, it was showing the Braves position players and pitchers, guys that were under payroll for like the next five years. And it's like, it's like close to like 10, 12 guys. Alex, and they're all key impact players. I think it's like Albies, 
uh, Acuna, Max Freed, um, Ian Anderson, I believe as well. It's just a bunch of names that key role guys that are basically going to be on the team until about 2027 until they have to start, of course, looking at maybe longer extensions, or of course you want to trade or, you know, get these guys out of the, uh, out of the organization but i mean michael harris again 21 years old already having a great great season probably yep. probably would have been rookie of the year if not right now for spencer strider i yep. think i think spencer strider will steal that away from him. He, he's having of course an insane season but um michael harris so far this year just being does he hit leadoff um he i see a lot of nine hole from okay. him but okay. i'm so sure he bounces i'm sure he bounces guy. around yeah a lot of speed and so he's just the guy that's basically going to be a great defensive outfielder um, ha still has some good pop, 12 home runs right now, and about a 300 average. So um, everything so far, I mean, in, in a rookie season, Alex, I mean, what a can't, special year so far. Can't ask so for far. much more, yeah. So, and, and you can definitely think that in the next coming years, this guy should be getting better and better. So he's 21, right, 21 years old right now, so um, that should be the expectation. So, of course, it, it's just another thing the Braves do well where they get these young guys that do very well, and they say, hey, do you want eight years and 70-something million? We're going to save a bunch of money because hopefully in two or three years – you're going to be a superstar like Acuna. Acuna should be making 35 plus mil, mil a season. He's not. He's on a discount, um, yeah. And uh, and Braves, of course, are 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 liking that a lot right now. So Braves just, of course, again, continue to make very very smart financial decisions uh, with their organization and have these successful young talented players that, um, you know, the, the reason why they can go to the playoffs and go to the league championship series so many years in a row. But um, that's crazy though. I mean, good, good for them. Now they can have a Harris Acuna outfield for, you know, five plus years now. Yeah. It's, it's a big time move for sure. Um, another example of something that's kind of breaking, not really breaking news, but something that just happened, Travis Gallo just homered against the Brewers. Um, so I think, now I they're going to talk about Luis Renjifo. He's, uh, he's put up two, two RBIs so far tonight. So really just yeah, now. Oh, nothing. wow. Yeah. Home he, run and, uh, an RBI single. Easy money, dude. Yeah, yeah. Geeky just season. The, just the utility guy of the MLB. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might have to get Rene in fantasy if he keeps this up. But damn it, I benched Gallo today. Oh. Well. You, you don't have Gallo. I do. Do you really? Yeah, I picked him up when I went to the Dodgers. Really? You thought you were being sneaky a couple weeks ago, and you thought, yeah, yeah, you're like, I, I win Gallo, and I was like, Alex, maybe you should look at my roster right now because. Uh, I knew the Dodgers would fix uh, well, him. But, but but you can't win if you're benching him. You don't have faith in him. But either either way. A home run for Gallo. He now has more home runs since being traded to the Dodgers than the Yankees have wins since the same time. Yankees have two wins since the trade, and Gallo has three home runs. No way. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. I thought you were going to say uh, Ben Attendee's home runs because I think Ben Attendee no. has three home runs this year. No, no. I mean, that would also be a good point, but the Yankees are struggling to win games. Well, Gallo is Christ. homer. Gallo is hitting more homers than the Yankees. If you told that to a Yankee fan, that like in two weeks from now, Gallo will have more home runs than your team will have wins, uh, that was that's going to be a problem. I think that'd be a surprise to most. But um, Ana I don't Anaheim's curse is uh, is floating to New York right now. So you think so? <laughs> I know so. No, I'm just kidding. They'll they'll they'll, they'll get out of this. I, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> um, but I had to throw it out there just because it's uh, they don't have a manager who shaves his head and gets a mohawk and then gets fired on the same day so i'm trying to I, I i i i wanted a quick update on the cease verlander thing i'm trying to look and see um looks like the Astros are winning three to one um not much to talk about there verlander's at about 93 pitches oh how about let's, let's talk about this base. let's talk about tony la Russa getting uh getting uh, some coaching advice from the fans of uh, guaranteed rate field in South side of Chicago, Alex. It, it, it's truly 
unbelievable, a cherry on top of what we've been complaining about him all season, not being a good coach. I'm sorry if you're just a fan of like these respected names. They're respected for a reason. They've seen a lot of baseball. They've had important impact on the history of MLB. Yep. They're not built for today's game. They yep. just, they just, it's a different game. The game <laughs> evolves very quickly. If if you're over like 70, I think you're done. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just the way I feel about <laughs> about the way coaches should be. Tony La Russa is that's out. Discrimination right there. Ageism. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to uh, my elderly friends. But well, you um, saw you saw him uh, a, mu- a week ago when he was falling asleep on the bench. And, and, yeah, there's literally on on like cable TV. There's video of this guy falling asleep <laughs> in his own bench as his team's playing a game. Uh, you know, uh, it comes down to this: you're being paid Millions. to 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 a job, and this team had playoff expectations. They are crashing and burning. The White Sox are. And they still do, which kind of just pisses me off. Two games back of a division, Alex. I mean, they're not going to be a wild card team. No team in the Central, I think, has a shot at the wild card right now. Um, maybe. But, I mean, I, I look at that and I just say, you are two games back. The season has been a nightmare and you still have a shot to win the division. And that was your goal going into the season. And it's still right there up to grab. But they just, it, it, it's obvious. They're just stumbling their way. And, and, and they have not yet made the strike to take the division so far. So again, and just to kind of, in case anyone didn't hear what you were explaining, there was an incident last night, I believe, or or during the day when the White Sox played, there's a situation where it's an optimal time to pinch run for a man, I believe at second base. And you have a fan yelling into the dugout to put out your pinch runner. I think they were saying Lurie Garcia, but whoever it was like the, Oh, it was, um, Who's the outfielder? Now I'm forgetting it now. But the the fan was yelling at the dugout of who to use the pinch run in that given moment. And Adam Angle. It was Angle, yeah. He's yeah. like, pinch run angle, pinch run angle. And after like some like looking around a bit, walking on the field, looking around side to side, Larusa, after like 30 seconds, like calls for a pinch runner. So you literally have a coach who is beholden to the fans to keep him accountable and to give him instructions on what to do strategically to win a ball game, which is just, I guess, I mean, it, it comes down to this, Travis. I, I've just decided that the White Sox probably do not have the balls to fire him midseason. And if they do not fire him in the offseason, if they somehow squeak their oh, way to if, oh they, my God. if they squeak their way to a six seed, Travis, make the playoffs and use that as some sort of excuse not to fire him then that is just truly Remarkable. sadness for <laughs> White Sox fans. I think every White Sox fan who understands the game uh, sees all the mistakes and like the the shame that La Russa has brought to the team this year. But, you know, I don't want to... I'm not trying to attack his character, even though <laughs> there are also issues there. Um, but, I mean, just from a baseball standpoint, um, it's been very unimpressive as a White Sox fan. I'm sure not meeting expectations at the very least. What it, I, what it, I, it would be the one time where, if, if he wins the division, it'd be the one time where a division winner, and I really wonder if fans would just be saying, like, we won the division. Please, dear God, get us a new manager. Like, well, when yeah. have you ever heard that before? No, I know, but it's like it's it's still so obvious. At the same time, yeah. like we thought it was going to be a runaway in the division. They are trying to squeak their way into the playoffs. Still have time to do so. And I will add, just now, uh, who was it exactly? It was Gavin Sheets hit a double off Verlander to score two runs. It is a three to three game. Verlander probably gets pulled after no this, decision after this inning. Um, so Cease and Verlander both. 
probably top two in the AL Cy Young race. Both surrender three earned runs against each other. Kind of like, uh, Travis, you know when like Harry Potter and Voldemort, like they cast the spells at the same time and they meet in the middle? That's kind of what happened today with Cease and Verlander, I'd say. Who's Voldemort? Which one's Voldemort? Uh, Probably Verlander. Voldemort, Verlander. I was going to say Cease just because I feel like the MLB media like has a... <laughs> Verlander's like their darling right now, you know? That'd be like kind of Harry Potter, but you know. I can see it either way, really. Oh, man, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that game's at 3-3. Just quick little wanted to update, but Travis... Um, not too much left to talk about, but one topic that did come to my mind is the American League Rookie of the Year. Julio Rodriguez has been an absolutely special rookie season so far. His first month was not very good. Ever since then, he's been truly phenomenal. The first month and a half, it was like, okay, Jeremy Pena is clearly like that guy. Yep. Soon after, Julio's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, I am actually a special like mm-hmm. generation, like, like, like a team changing talent yes since the last couple maybe i would say last month and a half travis i think it's no longer a lock i think we all thought it was a lock for julio i think adley is going to put pressure by the end of the season i think adley rushman what he's done the last month and a half what the orioles have been able to do they can make the playoffs travis and that's one team actually i wanted to bring before we ended today alex is the orioles and 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 we can talk about that after we talk about the rookie of the year discussion but yeah because it'll tie into the rushman debate where he If he can, if the Orioles somehow make the playoffs, the Mariners might do it too. So it's kind of interesting, you know, that could go both ways where both of these rookies led their teams to the playoffs in their first season. Yep. But, but what Rushman is doing, Travis, is truly incredible. He's almost cut Julio in Fangraphs war. He's yeah. like point like three or four behind him. He's played way less games, mm-hmm. and it's just crazy. I mean, f- from a catcher position, if you're good, if you're a good defender, it's going to really help that war, which he is. But he can run the bases pretty solidly too. Um, he hits from power on both sides. I mean, he really is looking like a complete player. I don't want to jump the gun here um, because I feel like maybe some of us jumped the gun calling Wander like a top five shortstop. He still, he, he still may be, but he's, yeah. he's had injuries this year, so it's not really all his fault. But I don't want to jump the gun here, but if I had to rank catchers in MLB right now, I mean, Rushman's in my top five. Mm-hmm. Like, just based on what he's doing right now, like, production-wise, Salvador has not been what he was last year. Grandal's not been what he was last a lot year. Of guys fell off, yeah. Rushman is, like, in at least the top tier or the top two tiers of like catchers in MLB. Mm-hmm. Julio might be a similar case, maybe like a second tier center fielder in MLB. But either way, I think what once was a runaway for Julio is going to be kind of the competitive race. So give me your thoughts on what Rushman's doing right now and how you see that race shaping up. Yeah, it's almost, if you ask that question, what is more remarkable this year, the Orioles making the playoffs or the Mariners making the playoffs? I think everyone in their, in their right mind would say, if the Orioles make the playoffs this year, I have seen everything yes. in, in, in life. Yes. I mean, what a insane story so far. We've seen the last two to three weeks, the Baltimore Orioles just being on a complete upward trend. I mean, 60 games right now as they've won. They are, Alex, right now, um, it looks like it. They they are the sixth seed going into right now. October, really, right now they are uh, just about. I think it's a half game right now above the White Sox and a half game above the uh, Minnesota Twins for the sixth seed. But I mean, it's just absolutely. Actually, you know what? I'm so sorry. They are the seventh seed. So okay. Tampa no. Bay, Toronto, and Seattle are the three teams in the wild. But they're right but now. they're so much right there. Like, but it's... right there. I mean, I mean, just incredible what we've been seeing and what we've been watching the last. 
uh, three weeks of Baltimore Orioles, you know, baseball. So it, it almost comes down to, again, this is, this is going to happen with the rookie of the year. It's going to come down to who has the better narrative. And I know that's how it's going to be. Voters are going to look at Julio and say, you're the superstar. You're the up and coming guy. You home run derby, home run derby finalist. That. You put on a show in LA and you got Seattle back to the playoffs since the first time of 20 or 2001. So you broke the 20 plus playoff year drought. Um, I think that Julio still, of course, has a has the easily the best shot. Adley's kind of a dark horse, but you definitely brought in a very good discussion with Adley and what he's been able to do and getting this Orioles team to the playoffs if that does, does happen. With, of course, Mancini exiting, with Jorge Lopez exiting. Um, Literally had to sell off and they might make the playoffs. Just remarkable. And, and he leads this team in baseball reference war right now he leads the baltimore Orioles yeah called up a couple reference. months ago it's like and so of course crazy. right now he is the youngest guy on their roster so that's of course got to be um that's got to be a very tough discussion that writers will have to uh talk about you know amongst themselves or you know amongst the other writers but um i mean wow i mean i i i will say well it's been a hat hat off to adley rushman about i i'm just again i'm i'm, I'm speechless for what the Orioles have been able to do so far this season. I mean, I absolutely had no idea. They, of course, would be. We all said, Alex, they're going to finish fifth place. That is probably the safest bet in Major League Baseball. The Orioles will not be a good team this year. If Maybe you, not be a good team, but they will not have a lot of wins. Preseason odds on, on Orioles making the playoffs, if you bet that, you are really, really hoping you can cash in big. It would be a huge payout, I'm I, sure. And I think Vegas, Vegas, uh, some of those vet, uh, betting betting machines we were using, Alex, they had those um, those bets you can make. It was basically just saying, will this team make the playoffs? And it was saying, you know, yes, minus, you know, 150 or plus 3,000. I think I looked at the Orioles and I think they were, if I'm not mistaken, they, they were definitely higher than like plus like 5,000, I think. I, really? I, I think it was, it was remarkable. I shouldn't say it that way because then it could be an easy bet. Some guy could just say, Hey, I'm going to put $1 on the Orioles. I'm going to win what 500 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I so have to do that. It, it was probably, it, I'm, I'm probably lying. It was probably less than that, but it, it was absolutely remarkable on the playoff odds to make, at least just make the playoffs. Um, what we, what we've seen so far. I mean, again, speechless. I don't know what to say, what they've been doing just to, to completely team aspect, but back to the rookie of the year decision, Alex, um, it's, I, again, it's going to come down to that narrative, which again, kind of just sucks because you could just say, well, which one was the better performer? It's like, well, you know, who is going to have all the better home runs, yeah, more yeah. hits, more stolen bases. Cause he played the full season whereas yeah. Rushman came yeah. up uh, uh, some time in, but on a production basis, and especially, I mean, I, I really don't care about team performance that much, yeah. but when we're talking about the Orioles making the playoffs yeah. Yeah. That, and the winning streaks that they're on, that it's truly no one predicted this coming. Like, even the most tired of Orioles fans, they're really hoping to develop their players, become a contender soon. The division's too stacked right now. They yeah. probably didn't even... Like, if you told them, like, oh, do you want to make the playoffs this year? They'd say yes, but, like, let's get real here. Like, we care about the next few seasons, next yeah. five years. We need some top, top five draft picks, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, so. and Travis, this team had the first overall pick in the draft that happened yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, yeah. they had yeah. the first pick because last year they had the worst record, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. And it so, had been, yeah. So, um, it just, it just was a crazy conversation. Um, I'm really... If Baltimore gets a six seed and, and Seattle misses the playoffs, which fingers crossed, I kind of hope now because of 
BS they've been doing the last couple of weeks with Seattle and just their team. But um, a little if, salty. It's okay. Angel yeah. fan salt. It's just it's, <laughs> if it's Orioles, gonna happen. If Orioles get to October as a six seed, Alex, it then I think that the conversation becomes it becomes really interesting. I I I would probably be leaning more towards Adley because I think that would just be completely remarkable you know, what he's been able to do to, to lead the team. Maybe if some people might not think, oh, well, rookie of the year is different from MVP because it's not really about a team aspect. It's about individual aspects. But um, that'd be that'd be out of this world right now. As a catcher, what he's been able to do so far. I mean, like you said, he's already a top, he's already a top two tier kind of catcher in the game right now. So um, Adley, or I'm sorry, Julio, of course, right now, the narrative is such his way. He's such a fun young player. He's basically kind of like the, the, uh, the up and coming or the outfielder of like a Fernando Tatis Jr. So um, I, I feel like he's kind of like Tatis is, you know, a tier and Julio's B tier, but they're, they're very similar players and what they can bring to the table. One guy, of course, just plays shortstop that the numbers that he provides shortstop position is out of this world where, you know, like you said, if Tatis were to go to center field, he could be something similar to Julio, but those numbers really wouldn't be too, too special because there's so many guys that can put up those numbers in center field. So, yeah, I mean, Julio is like, he's proven to be a five tool talent with great speed, stealing bags, hits for really good power. And that's going to be consistent because he has good exit velocity numbers. Um, Julio kind of is a, is a full package in many ways, but a switch hitting catcher who uh, is having the offensive and defensive season that uh, Adley's having with obviously high impact on his team. It's definitely just, both very special um, so far. Quick, quick little fun fact. Um, the question kind of gives away the answer, but if you had to guess, who's older, Adley Rushman or Juan Soto? It's Adley. Adley's older. Yeah, Adley's older. Yeah. It's really crazy that like <laughs> a guy who's a rookie is older. He's a young phenom, but he's 24, yeah. and Juan Soto, like three years ago, won a World Series ring. <laughs> and he's younger. It just, Juan Soto was hitting a home run against Clayton Kershaw in the division series. To off Garrett Cole in game yeah, one of the World Series. Yeah, it's yeah, so crazy yeah. that this guy was so young doing all that stuff. But he's younger than the guy who's probably going to win. Uh, uh, actually, the second place rookie it's of the year. It's Alex, because he's 23 right now. I, I don't know when Soto turns 24. but um, It's like 60 see. days or something. October 25th. So, you know, by the end of the season, he'll be 24. Um, and right now he has a 22 career war. I mean, have you ever seen talk, something talk about the, a head start? Yeah. Where the, 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 yeah, exactly. Where the, where the war will match your age when you're, and you're less than 25. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, he's, he's got an opportunity to go up there and put up, I mean, Soto right now has an opportunity to, I think right now his his shot at getting ninety war is very good. Um, sure. Hundred war I think is 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 pretty good as well. So I mean you crack double digit or triple digit war. Um, it'll you, come down to like a you, lot of other. You were an all timer, so right. It'll come down to some other factors like can he maintain a solid enough outfield defense? He's yeah. had some bad yeah. plays in San Diego already in the right field. Not sure that his offense. I mean last year he had some good uh, defensive metrics, but this year has not been the same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he ever becomes a DH, you can kiss that like hundred war stuff goodbye. Um, yeah, yeah, just exactly. just the way that it, it kills your war numbers. But yeah, I just had to uh, bring up that Juan Soto trivia because it's just mind blowing how young he still is. Travis, I should have mentioned this in my talk about um, my talk about a uh, Larusa, but I had a I'm trying to find it here. I had a couple kind of funny quotes from another manager who's very old, but he gets lots of respect and for good reason, but 
he's coaching a team that's very good. I'm talking about the Astros. I'm talking about Dusty Baker. Um, right now, Travis, I just don't understand his... I mean, I guess I kind of understand where he's coming from, but I just completely disagree with some of the stuff yeah. that he says about the way he wants to kind of coach his team. But a few different quotes came out about five days ago. I have him saved on my phone here. Um, Dusty Baker said that he wants to play Mauricio Dubon in center field when Verlander is pitching to stop them going from first to third because it's going to be a low-scoring game when JV is pitching. So he cares about center field defense when JV is pitching, apparently. So that's why he's going to go Dubon um, in center field over guys with better bats. Another quote came out about his usage of Trey Mancini. He said, if I've got Fran, if I've got Framber Valdez pitching, I need Yuli starting at first base. Of course, he's the Golden Glove. He's got only, or there's only one Gold Glove on the team. If I got a fly ball pitcher, uh, Mancini only played 13 games in the outfield in Baltimore before he got here. I got to play my best fly ball guy out there in the outfield. And then he also said, when he was asked about making lineups. Uh, and if he ever uses OPS to make lineups, he says, that's fan stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty legendary quote, I must say. That's good stuff. Um, he's kind of trolling me there. Especially, especially how, how successful the guy is. But yeah. I, he's kind of trolling me, but uh, it's... <laughs> that's fan stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, Travis, that's I guess my, my overall thought is it's really funny how I'm not sure that Dusty is that far off from La Russa. It really comes down to the Astros are so much more of a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Dusty understands the assignment. He knows, you know, how to, I guess, you know, motivate players, talk to players. He is so much, so much respect for him. He doesn't have the same kind of gaffes that Larusa has, which definitely helps his case. But in terms of like the old school style, it's just so interesting to me. Like Guriel Chavez this year, he's been a bad player. I mean, maybe bad's too harsh of a word. Yeah. But um, he's he's having his his worst year of his of his major league baseball career most and, likely, and and he's old. Uh, yeah, he's got yeah. a point one baseball reference WAR. Is he thirty eight? He is thirty eight. Yes. Wow. Um, which, which again, you don't. I mean, if you asked me that, I would have said he's probably twenty nine. Yeah, thirty. Because <laughs> it's twenty sixteen. His first year. Yeah. He was thirty two. Yeah. Which yeah. is just nuts. And he was he got rookie of the year votes yeah. in twenty seventeen as a thirty three year old. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's really nuts. And it's also crazy. He has you know about fourteen career WAR. He came into the league when he was thirty two. I wonder what he could have if he played an extra you know decade plus. But yeah. But Travis, right now, Guriel in the season, we're talking about an 89 OPS plus. The average is not great at 243. The on-base is 289, you know, below 300. A team like the Astros has better options. And he's batting second for them today. He They, they bat him second sometimes because they think of him as kind of a more contact-focused guy. Mm-hmm. But the I mean, even the average is not that good, yeah, Like if you, yeah. even if you cared about contact. So um, I don't get it. And I don't think the defensive numbers are super on his side. He makes some good plays, but it's not like he's, you know... I don't know who the best first baseman is at defensive yeah. in MLB right now, but I mean I don't think it's him. Either way, it's just crazy how you make a trade for a guy like Mancini, and then your coach has all these quotes saying why he doesn't want to use him in a lot of games. Um, it's just kind of head-scratching to me. But um, do you have any other thoughts, I guess, on 
I guess some of this philosophy stuff. I mean, like he's pretty much saying like, I want to use Dubon in the outfield who has not had a good bat this year uh-huh. um, because Verlander is going to be a close game. So you need to prevent guys going first, third. It's just kind of really interesting stuff that I don't really see how it ties to winning as much as if you just played your best players every game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing that's backing him up, of course, is the, is the record. Um, and, and absolutely rightfully so. I mean, I think a team would be winning winning these kind of games with, yeah. with any coach, to be fair. But yeah, um, he's not gonna. I'm not saying he should get fired because yeah. obviously, you know, the team is 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 successful as anyone else in the American League. Yeah, I, I think he has a way about probably motivating players. In you know, I, I think he has this vision that most guys don't see. Um, that it, it I think it just he's just the kind of that rare breed that it works for him. I think a lot of guys, if they wanted to try to follow his style, it probably wouldn't work. Um, I think Dusty's kind of in a he, he's definitely, I think, in a class of his own when it when it when it comes into success terms. I know he does not have a World Series ring yet um, this year. Of course, striving to get to that World Series ring. I, I think everywhere he went, Alex, he's won. I, I'm looking at his you know resume right now. I mean, for ten years in San Francisco, he had a 540 winning percentage. In four years in Chicago for the Cubs, he had a 497, so almost 500. Reds, he was at a 524, and Nationals, he was at a 593, and then Houston at a 587. So, I mean, he's just, I think everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner. I think he has a really good job of motivating players. Maybe guys would rather, you'd rather see hit in other spots. He can, I don't know, maybe transition them into maybe that sort of hitting in a certain part of the lineup. I mean, we've always talked, Alex. I think, what does he have? Kyle Tucker hitting like sixth. It's always lower, five, six. And, yeah. And maybe, who knows, maybe maybe even Tucker is saying to Dusty, hey, I'm actually more comfortable hitting behind some of these other hitters, and I kind of want to be that, um, you know, diamond in the rough that's kind of just waiting in, in the six hole when most pitchers think they've gotten through a majority of the lineup, and I just want to be ending that middle of the lineup. Uh, with a bang because Kyle Tucker is one of the best hitters on that team, if not the best hitter on that team. Um, Bregman's bats w- woken up nicely the last couple weeks, if not. But um, especially uh, when your when your Don's not there, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, you know, it, it is a weird philosophy because I definitely see that old school philosophy and not really the new school philosophy, but it's still somehow still working for Dusty Baker. Um, and again, kudos to him for just kind of continuously being that winning manager that he's always been. Um, 75 wins this year, Alex, and he has the, uh, I guess the second, I guess he has opportunity this year to, uh, to capture a hundred wins for the second time in his career. He did it the first season he managed for the San Francisco Giants in 93. So it'd be interesting to see if he can get a hundred wins this year for the second time in his career. But, um, it's it just crazy looking at his resume every single season. It looks like he's winning 90 games or more. So, um, you know, I, I guess what I'll say is I, a lot of, a, a lot of, you know, coaches, we look at Dave Roberts, we look at. Kevin Cash, we look at just a lot of these guys making their lineups the way they do, and they have a lot of success with it, and it's consistent success. Dusty, I think, is just that that you know rare breed of of, of managers that can somehow get it done by you know maybe the old school way of of you know the motivational you know kind of manager. I, I know the guys played with so many legends of the game. I think he he, uh, he I think he was I think he started his career with the Atlanta Braves, and he was uh, he was kind of not. Hank Aaron's right hand man, but he, you know, he, Hank Aaron kind of took him under and kind of like sure. gave him his concept. And so maybe guys really bind to that and they look at that and saying, man, like you're such a, uh, a world-class kind of guy, whatever yeah. you tell me, I'm going to have so much respect he, for you and all that stuff. So maybe they, no matter where they're going to hit, they're going to perform where they need to perform. And so, um, 
but it is interesting because I mean, there, there are, I look at, I look at that strategy in some ways where you look at the, you know, I want more defense this day than I want more offense this day as being kind of a useful tool. But at the same time, I'd rather have more guys being, you know, get, getting more consistent reps. Um, yeah. We, we see you don't want Mancini though. playing every other day. Exactly. If he's like a top six hitter on your team, you especially know? with what, what, what he came into the Astros, you know, organization two weeks ago and he hit four home runs or something like that in the first week. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. yeah something when you crazy. You look at that and you got to say, okay, like this guy has earned a spot and he's already performing well above than, you know, some of our outfielders but, are our first baseman. So but you got to get Dubon in there, dude. <laughs> but, 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 but I like, like your point about, you know, the legacy, you know, Baker has been a staple of MLB history at this point. Uh, so he, I'm sure he has the players fully bought in, fully invested. And that's, one of the most important jobs of a coach, of course. Uh, there's also arguments to say that lineups don't even matter that much as long as you're playing the best players. So the team's winning ball games. Who am I to say? I just think that. Um, and he and he's got the support of the probably one of the best front offices probably in Major League Baseball. I mean, what, sure. what a crafty organization the Astros have been. So yes, I mean, he's probably the face of it. But there's probably other people maybe, maybe you know in the organization pulling some strings here and there that are you know, you know, hinting some advice here or there, but. Um, it, it's just it's a well-oiled machine. The whole entire Houston Astros. So yeah, I so I don't agree with everything. You know, Dusty might decide, but at the end of the day, um, you know, his team is doing great. Uh, he has not kind of had the same lot. Like I feel like Larusa. It's not just us. I think other people in MLB media are they're losing some respect for I guess his. Um, well, at least Baker's not falling asleep on the uh, on the bench or something it, like that. My <laughs> thoughts exactly. My thoughts exactly that that uh, Baker is really kind of held up um, in the modern times in terms of his you know credibility and his you know how beloved he is. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Saw some interesting quotes from mm-hmm. him. Um, we'll wrap it up now, Travis. Uh, good length for an episode, I think. Uh, I'll go out by saying this funny thing that just happened in the Cardinals Rockies game in the bottom of the ninth. It was tied four to four. The Rockies have Donelson Lamette now. I don't know if you saw that, but he was Lamette was DFA'd by the Brewers and the Rockies just picked him up. So it's kind of funny how you traded away Hater and Lamette was in your package and you just didn't find room for him in your pen, so you cut him. Anyways, Rockies have him now. And he had a good outing before, but then just today they put him in in the ninth to hold the 4-4 lead. He issues a walk. Uh-oh. And then a walk. <laughs> and then an infield single. And then he hits the batter for a walk off. So that's not the way you want to really lose a game. But at the end of the day, you're the Rockies, so um, you probably take the laugh. And, and they were probably they were playing the Cardinals, right? It was. It ended up being a Tyler O'Neill walk off by getting hit by the pitch. So and what was the final score? Five four. Okay. So okay. nice little fun ending to that kind of game. But wow. But Travis, that does it for this episode. Um, a lot of topics we had to go over. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty more for us to go over next week. Uh, the second half has been exciting. I'm glad it's been a change of pace. Yankees, not so dominant, you know, other teams heating up that yep. we didn't expect. So we'll keep up with the updates next week in our episode. If you made it this far, we appreciate the support. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>